0: Uh, We're going to be in 2 Timothy this morning, uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 9, so you can either open your Bibles or you can follow along online or uh, on on the screen, I'm sorry. Disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power, and from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lust, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth, men of corrupt minds, disapproved concerning the faith. But they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all as theirs also was. So if you came out uh, Wednesday night to the Thanksgiving Ease service, uh, you got a little bit of a preview of what we're going to talk about today. Um, so uh, I kind of made up the word. Most most of my uh, spell checkers don't like the word. But uh, we're going to talk about un-Thanksgiving today. The opposite of Thanksgiving. Un-Thanksgiving. This is not to be confused with uh, the National Day of Mourning or the Indigenous People's Sunrise Ceremony. So just if you are... Native to the continent of North America and it's that type of Thanksgiving you're thinking about, it's not that one. Uh, so it's not that. We clear? It's not that thanks on Thanksgiving. They actually have a holiday. It's not that. Are you guys... You, yes, we clear? That's making sure you're awake. Throw a little bit of humor in there right away to see if you're there. Okay. Okay, so it's not that on un-th- that Thanksgiving. Uh, we're just going to talk about the opposite of Thanksgiving. And while uh, Thursday was our, our national holiday here in the United States... I think that un-Thanksgiving may be a national or global holiday that lasts the whole year long. Right? I think so. I think so. As I was um, reading through Scripture and praying uh, a couple weeks ago to figure out uh, what the Holy Spirit would lead me to preach about, he kind of did what he normally does with me. As I'm going through Scripture, as I'm praying, he says, hey, guess what, Jeff? This is what I need you to work on. For you. So, welcome to my self-help class today on how we can make Jeffrey a better person. You're just coming along for the ride. So, uh, I find myself in Paul's uh, second letter to his pupil, to his protege, to his young Padawan, his assistant pastor, however you want to look at Timothy, that's what he is. That was a Star Wars reference, yes, Ira. So, so, yes, he's looking, he's looking to uh, the, the, this young student that he's been teaching for a while. And what we have going on here in this letter is Paul is writing from imprisonment in Rome. Uh, He's probably recognizing that his earthly life was likely near its end, right? It's going to end soon. Uh, But Paul looked past his own circumstances to express concern for the churches and specifically for Timothy. Paul wanted to use his last words to encourage Timothy and all other believers to to persevere in the faith and to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And just like his previous letter to Timothy, Paul is issuing a warning about the collapse that's predicted in the last days. The last days uh, is a term which includes the entire period between the first century and the return of Christ. Okay? Just to give you an idea what we're talking about. And he's telling uh, Timothy that during this time, the world will see terrible times of societal uh, degeneration. Society is just going to get worse is what he's telling him. So he's telling them this is going to happen. And then Paul gives an extraordinary list of general characteristics uh, that believers should, should expect, right? He says people will be lovers of themselves. They'll be self-centered. They'll be narcissistic. He says they'll be lovers of money. We see this uh, back in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6 where it says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness. They'll be boastful which is the outward manifestation of the fact that inwardly they are proud or arrogant people. They will be proud. They will be blasphemers. They will be disobedient to their parents, which suggests that Paul is saying that this apostasy has already reached into the family, that children are already being unthankful and don't appreciate what their parents have done for them. That's shocking, huh? Any of you out there parents? They will be unthankful. They'll be unholy. They'll be unloving, which is translated heartless. They'll be unforgiving. They'll be slanderous or false accusers, as it says in the King James Version. And they'll try to tear down the reputations of others. And unfortunately, we see this activity amongst Christians today. They'll be without self-control. They'll be brutal, literally meaning untamed, the opposite of civilized. When these people can't have their way, They will become like savage beasts, Paul is saying. They'll be despisers of good. Instead of honoring what's good, they'll despise it and honor what's evil. They'll be traitors or treacherous. This describes a people who won't even try to agree. They'll be unyielding and irreconcilable and must have their own way. They'll be headstrong or rash. They'll they'll be disposed towards recklessness. They'll be haughty which is being uh, puffed up with their own importance. Conceited is a good synonym here. They'll be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. To be clear here, this does not say that you have to choose between pleasure and God, because when we live for God, we enjoy the greatest pleasures, right? God creates pleasure for us. What it's talking about is the choice between loving pleasure or loving God, making a choice to love pleasure and not love God. That's what it's talking about there. They'll be having a form of godlessness, uh, godliness sorry, but denying its power. So this suggests they'll have an outward appearance of religion but not true Christian faith. So though these characteristics are categorized under the auspices of a prediction about the last days, it's clear that Paul considered them to already be present in Ephesus at that time. Though he warns Timothy they will intensify with time and Timothy had to be aware of such people and have nothing to do with them. Paul tells Timothy from such turn away. He tells him that in verse 5. He's saying a faithful believer should have nothing to do with the people that I'm describing here in this long list. And I think it's also important to note that um, he's talking that, about these people and that they'll be operating under a guise of religion, having a form of godliness but denying its power. They are religious. They call themselves Christians, but actually they're rebellious. So there's at least 19 different characteristics that are listed here, and Paul probably could have listed more. Uh, Notice there's an emphasis on love in here. There'll be uh, lovers of their own selves, lovers of money, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. And if you've read Scripture at all, you know that the heart of every problem is a problem in the heart, right? Every problem that starts, starts usually right here in the heart. If we're not loving, following, honoring, and thankful to God truly in our hearts, then that's where the issues of life will truly come from. We should be so thankful for all our Heavenly Father does for us daily, if not more, hour by hour, minute by minute, second by second. We are surrounded by the blessings He gives us all the time. We need to be thankful for it. God commands us to love Him more than anything else and love our neighbors as ourselves, right? Jesus himself tells us in Matthew 22, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We've heard this over and over again, correct? You, you know the two great commandments? Absolutely. Absolutely, we know this. We should love the Lord our God more than anything else and love our neighbors as ourselves, but... If we love ourselves more than anything else, we'll not love God or our neighbors. Basically, when we love ourselves and we're unthankful to what God's given us, we're worshiping ourselves, right? If we start worshiping ourselves, then what will we we do? We'll ignore God. This lie is the biggest lie that the world has taught us that you need to look out for number one. It's all about me. doesn't matter what you're doing. It all matters what I'm doing. I'm number one. Who's more important than me? That's what the world has taught us, right? That's the lie the world has taught us. And if you live by that rule, it'll lead you to a miserable life and yet it characterizes so many people today, right? The worldwide cravings for things is just one evidence that that people's hearts have turned away from God and have generally become unthankful in everything he's done for us. Just look around you. You can see this attitude of, all I want is what I have coming to me. All I want is my fair share. Unthankfulness is taught and promoted by just about every venue in our world over the past 50 years at least. Probably more. Do you recognize that quote I just yelled out? Did you recognize it? Yeah. Anyone not recognize it? All I want want is what I have coming to me. All I want is my fair share. That quote is from Sally Brown. You know her. Charlie Brown's little sister. And Charlie Brown Christmas, yeah, she yells that, right? That came out in 1965, so before I was born. Little plug, (laughs) before I was born. This is an attitude that's been around for a long time. Very popular back then. All I want is what is coming for me, coming to me. It's all about me. Paul says that this attitude will be prevalent uh, during the last days. And whether we're living in uh, those times or not, it's difficult to say. Maybe we are. Maybe we're not. Surely these times of stress we live in exactly fit the description Paul uses here, right? Go back to that list we just went over. I am sure we see that all around us today in this world, correct? But what the Apostle wanted Timothy and us to know, he clearly outlines by saying, but know this. What he's saying is, understand this, guys. He says, there will be perilous times. There will be dangerous times. There will be times of great stress. When our faith will be pushed to the limit of his endurance and when we'll be under attack and under threat. And maybe you're sitting here asking yourself, how is it that humanity could ever decline to such a level? The answer is given in Romans 1.21 that Josh read earlier, right? Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Scripture describes the first two downward steps that lead into this dark pit. First, people won't glorify God as God. And second, they won't be thankful for all God's done for them. Every time a person ceases to be thankful, he or she starts down a slippery path. And let me warn you, don't don't start on that path because trust me, it's hard to turn away and make your way back up again. I have been there many times. I told you, you're here in my self-help class. This is what the Holy Spirit laid on me, that you, Pastor Jeff, you need to work on this. I have been down that slippery slope. It is so hard to claw your way back up Just to slide back down there again. Unthankfulness is a symptom of a sick and self destructive society. So, why is it growing? Why is unthankfulness increasing in this uh, society today? Paul wrote throughout his letters an insightful analysis of people who ignore the evidence of our Creator. Did you hear the answer right there to the question? Paul wrote wrote throughout his letters an insightful analysis of people who ignore the evidence of our Creator. People who don't acknowledge God are obviously not going to be thankful to him. Any thoughts that you have that don't take into account the reality of the existence and plan of God are really just vain and empty thoughts. These, these thoughts will be fleeting and futile, like Paul said, and you'll be blind to the spiritual realities that last for eternity. When you're younger, I remember this, because I was younger once, I remember not thinking about this that much. You think, i am just got to get out there, get through school, get a job, maybe get married, who knows, establish myself. You don't think too much about eternity when you're younger. But then something happens, and men like myself, after we get past the age of, oh, say, 40, 45, 50, a little switch is flipped in your head, and you're like, hey, you know what, eternity is no longer something far away, it's right there. And you have to start thinking a little bit more about what that means. What should my focus be on? Being unthankful can be associated with an underlying rejection of God. If we don't recognize what he's done for us, we'll put something else in his place. Usually, we put us in his place. And not only does this demonstrate that we're disconnected from fellowship with God, but it generally means that we are making a God out of ourselves. We're making ourselves our God. Self-centeredness and unthankfulness uh, are two things that are usually grate on the nerves of people around us. If you've ever been around someone who's unthankful or, or uh, self-centered, they usually kind of drive you crazy, right? Wow, if you're not nodding, then you might be that person. Uh, just pointing that out. So usually if you're around those, that type of person... You don't want to be around them, right? You want, to, you want to distance yourself. And that usually leads to a lack of intimacy and to isolation. Unthankfulness can poison relationships and prevent new ones from forming. So you also might be sitting here thinking, well, Pastor Jeff, I am a thankful person, so obviously you're not talking about me. Hashtag not me. I had to ask in the first service, do they still use hashtags? Because I'm old and I, I pick up on a trend and find out they don't use it anymore. Uh, I was informed they still use it. Pastor Dan, is that correct? Okay, thank you. Thank you. You might be sitting here saying, well, obviously, you're preaching to someone else. I'm thankful. Okay. I started talking today about the opposite of Thanksgiving, which is un So let's break down what kind of behavior is the opposite of being thankful. And you might be sitting there thinking, well, no, duh. That, that's pretty simple. Well, I'm going to use the Bible. The best Bible word for it is the word murmuring. Uh, or in more modern English terms, Complaining. And again, you might be like, hey, Pastor Jeff, wait, 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 wait. I wasn't complaining to you, I was just explaining. Yeah, guess what? Pretty much whenever we humans say anything, it's either positive or negative. Few words are neutral. I might get an English major sitting out here that's saying, oh, no, 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 you're, no, I'm sorry. Anytime we open our mouth, it's either gonna be negative or positive. Doesn't have to be in the words we're saying, It can be the lilt in our voice. It can be our posture, our our body language. Think about how you talk. You can be saying, uh, a a dear friend of mine, Deb, was in the first service. You can be saying, bless your heart. I don't think it means what she is saying when she says it to me. She gave me a coffee mug to remind me. Every time I drink tea, I look at it. I'm like, oh, yes, right. Right. And if we're not expressing an attitude of thankfulness when talking, then we'll likely, maybe even most certainly, end up saying something that we're not thankful for. And then our speech will devolve into murmuring and complaining. It just doesn't pay to murmur and be unthankful. Because according to Scripture, it exposes you to the fiery serpents as it did the children of Israel in Numbers 21. You're like, oh, right. I, mean, I don't think i didn't see anybody go like, right, I was just reading that. Okay, so in the first service, my, uh, my brother Bruce uh, was saying that I always get the fire and brimstone, wrath of God type of messages to preach. I, so let's go there, okay? Numbers 21, verses 5 through 6. I'm going to read it. Okay. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and they bit the people and many of the people of Israel died. See you later. (laughs) All right. All right. Okay, maybe not exactly, maybe not really actual physical fiery serpents are going to come after you. But all sorts of poisons can enter into you through these murmuring, complaining, and unthankfulness. Correct? Have you ever hung out with somebody unthankful and complaining? Somebody who likes to complain a lot and unthankful? They can discourage you, right? It can get even worse. They can discourage you, and they can influence you with their discouragement to discourage you enough. That was a lot of use of the word discourage right there. Discourage you enough to stop doing good. Has that happened to you? Someone who's around you all the time, discouraging you, that you get discouraged, that you stop doing good. And instead, you become a lover of, according to our scripture this morning, of what? Evil instead of good. It happens all the time. I know I fall into this pit often. It happens when we do ministry. Just recently, I set up an event to encourage uh, fellowship in our church, and I was amazed at the responses I got. I actually got some murmurings on various details instead of a, hey, thanks for doing this. Don't get me wrong, I got some, hey, thanks. I got a lot of, hey, thanks. And also, don't get me wrong, I'm just saying uh, that this, I'm using this as an example. I'm not saying these individuals are are always unthankful. i only use it as an example of how easily unthankfulness can creep into our lives and then seep back out. It's insidious. I got some people nodding and actually know what that word means. It's subtle. Satan's subtle on how he does things. It's insidious. It just quietly moves in and then creeps back out of you. And of course, like I said, there are many times when I'm sure we ourselves display ungratefulness to others. I I know I do. I know I do. Again, this is my self-help class, right? I know I do. Sadly, it comes to us so naturally uh, that we don't often even notice when we've been unthankful to someone around us. It's no wonder that Paul includes unthankfulness in his list of common sense particular to the last days. And hopefully, it's obvious to you that being thankful is a serious thing in our social interactions, right? Because it can hurt others. But more importantly... Being unthankful can be deadly to our spiritual life because it hurts our relationship with God and damages our faith walk. That's why we read in Scripture often that we need to be careful and carefully examine our hearts. We always look for the bigger sins, right? Well, I didn't murder anybody today. I think that's a win. Were you unthankful today? I know there's a long list there that we could, I could literally go on for the next few months preaching on each one of those words that he listed up, what people are going to be. But I just thought it was appropriate during this time of Thanksgiving to talk about unthankfulness. The best biblical antidote for an unthankful heart can be found in the previous chapter of 2 Timothy, uh, chapter 2, verse 1, where he says, Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Only by looking to the cross of Christ can we attain God-pleasing thankfulness. And don't get me wrong. I know how hard this world can be. We Christians need to be prepared for hardship and suffering associated with these last days, whether we're near the time of the Lord's return or not. Paul's warning is a sobering reminder to Christians whose environments uh, that they're in may be difficult. But guess what? I'm pretty sure they're not as difficult as the ones of the first century. And I'm pretty sure that we're not suffering anywhere like people are in other parts of the world. We have it pretty cushy here in the United States, don't we? Even more cushy, cushier, sure, cushier here in New England. Even more cushier here in New Hampshire, right? We don't live in crazier states. I came from Massachusetts. I found a break in the wall. I got my family out as soon as we could, right? We escaped, not looking back. We could be living in uh, countries or states or or provinces that are just worse than ours. So we have it pretty easy here right now as far as these treacherous times, right? But we shouldn't allow our present conditions to lull us to sleep, Just because we do have it fairly easy here, we shouldn't allow it to lull uh, us to sleep because the days may be coming when being faithful to Christ results in more than just strange looks or jokes behind our back. Maybe you suffered those already, but there's more coming. We may at any time get pressured to act unethically or contrary to God's word. That can happen. I, I can tell you that's happened to me. Before I worked here at the church, I worked for a, a Fortune 500 company, I worked in the sales department. My job was I worked with the sales manager and the salesman to make sure the sales happened. I had a manager who would ask me to do things unethical. He just like, can you do this? I'm like, no, that's not ethical. I had a manager who would ask me to do things that were against company policy. These are things that go against my belief as a Christian. And one time he asked me to do something illegal in order to get the almighty buck in. I told him no. And in that moment, my boss's heart was changed, and he came to Christ, and it was all great. No, my life became hell. He tried to fire me, but he couldn't find something real to fire me about because our company policy was that uh, if you, you can't talk about religion or your faith, but if somebody asks you, then you can. So he would say to me, Grant, what's wrong with you? Just do this. It will make us hundreds of thousands. It is wrong. What did happen with this individual was I get to spend the next couple of years telling him why I felt that way because he would ask me. Again, his stupid mistake. He'd say, why do you believe this? So I would tell him why. At that point, I could take the New Testament out of my cubbyhole and start reading it to him. He learned more about his own religion. He was Jewish, but he wasn't practicing. And I don't know where he stands with Christ today, but I do know things did get easier. Not easiest, just easier. Better to deal with, a lot better to manage. There will be times in your life where you'll be asked to go against what you believe. If it hasn't happened yet, it most likely will happen someday. And at that time, it will be seen more clearly whether we have more than a mere outward form of godliness that Paul warns against in verse 5. People will find out who you really are in those moments. Maybe you're having a hard time feeling thankful because it seems like the world is against you. Let me put your mind at ease. It is. Hello? If you're sitting here today and you accepted Christ as your Savior, guess what? The world is against you. We are not of this world. We are passing through. The world is against you. Surprise! If you're feeling that way, it is. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to sit there and be like, oh, no, I'm depressed now. It'll never get better. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that. Maybe you're having trouble at work. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe you're having problems with your spouse or your children or your parents, somewhere in your family. Maybe you experience issues in your health or, or with finances however the enemy, Satan, may be uh, attacking you or seem to be attacking you, you need to keep your eyes fixed on the Lord. Keep your eyes fixed on God because God had rescued you before and he'll do it again. Did you know that? How many of you here this morning are Christians? So you're all admitting that you needed someone to save you at some point. You're admitting that you were not and fellowship with God. You're admitting that you were a sinner that needed salvation. What happened? You got rescued. God did that. And if you're someone here today who hasn't accepted Jesus' gift of salvation, he can rescue you right now. Today. You can make the decision to put your faith in Jesus Christ That he died on the cross for your sins, and he's paying the price for sin for you right now. He did it. And he rose again on the third day, and now he's at God's side interceding for us. Jesus did this for you, for all of us. He can rescue you now. And you heard me say that he rose again on the third day. He died on the cross, and he rose again. And if Jesus can conquer death, he can conquer anything. He is sovereign. Another big Christianese Bible word, right? What does that mean? It means he's the ultimate ruler. He rules over everything. Yes, you might hear us say that the world is uh, Satan's, but guess what? Jesus is above him. He is the ultimate ruler. Skip to the end of the book. He wins. I didn't mean to spoil it for you if you haven't read to the end. Jesus wins. If you feel defeated, don't give up. Turn to him. He can change your hardened, unthankful heart into a thankful heart. When we struggle to feel thankful, and we do struggle to feel thankful at times, we can shift our heart toward gratitude. There's a difference between gratitude and thankfulness. We can shift our heart towards gratitude and contentedness by choosing to focus on how the Lord has loved us, how he has protected us, and how he's blessed us. If we can practice giving praise, even when it's hard, He will change your heart. We all have hard times. If in that moment, instead of saying like, oh no, I don't feel good, I'm physically not well, saying, praise God, I'm alive today, that may change things. If you're having a hard time at work, it's like, oh no, work really stinks, and you turn around instead of saying that, saying, thank you God for allowing me to have a job. That might help you. Oh no, my family is miserable. We never get along. Thank you God for a family that does love me whether I accept it or not. We have things to be thankful for. He will change your heart. So we are faced then with um, two opposite possibilities. One, being thankful, which opens the way to God's presence and to his miracle working power. Or two, being unthankful, and I told you what would happen there. Fiery serpents. We already told you what would happen there, right? Unthankfulness is part of our human condition. When unthankfulness strikes, and it will, it's the best way to redirect our emotions is to redirect our, our thoughts to our Heavenly Father. We must make up our mind to be one or the other, thankful or unthankful. Hopefully the choice is clear to you. I told you, this is what God's been teaching me over the past 55 years. It's really hard. He's been teaching me about it over the past few months. By God's grace, I have decided that I'm going to be thankful. I'm going to continue to try to find scriptural reasons for being thankful. They're there. I can find reasons in scripture for being thankful. And I'm going to try to the best of my ability to practice thankfulness to God all the time. Now that's an absolute. I'm told not to use absolutes. But we should try to be thankful all the time, every second of every day and everything. And you know what? We have a fantastic how-to self-help DYI book to help you with this. You know what it's called? The Bible. Thank you. Absolutely. The book of Psalms alone is a beautiful picture of what this can look like. The book of Psalms just has a full range of all the human emotions in there. So we're going to go through every single one right now. We won't. We're going to look at a few, <laughs> we're going to look at a few of them. Let's look at Psalm 119, uh, 24. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. If nothing else, we can rejoice that God has given us another day of life. He created another morning full of promise, full of opportunity to get tasks done, even if that task is getting out of bed and making your bed. That's two tasks. He's given us another morning to spend time with others that we take for granted. He's given us another opportunity to rejoice in Him. Let's be thankful for that. How about Psalm 136 one? Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Maybe you haven't felt loving towards others. Uh, maybe you haven't felt loved by others. One thing remains true. God loves you. So even though you don't love people sometimes, and sometimes you don't feel like you're loved by anyone, God loves you. And his love endures the crankiest of your days. No matter how miserable you are, he still loves you. Imagine that. Take a moment to thank God for loving you today. Let those words sink in. God loves you. And you know what? Try your hardest to really believe them. It just may change the posture of your heart when you do that. How about Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. Oh, I'm jumping ahead. Sorry. I hit the button. What are some ways that the Lord has blessed you recently? How has he blessed you recently? You know what? How about, why don't you make out a list of things he's forgiven you for? A lot of you raised your hands earlier that you're Christians, correct? That means you admit you're a sinner, right? Here's your homework. List out some of those sins. You can be thankful that God has forgiven you all of those sins, whatever you list out. It's hard to be ungrateful when we take time to recognize the gifts the Lord gives us through each season. Look at the ways He's renewed you. He already renewed you by saving you and He renews you every day. There are miracles miracles that happen in your life daily. We just... We have gotten so used to seeing them. We take them for granted. We don't even notice them anymore. Psalm 28, 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices and with my song, I will praise him. How often do worship songs refer to God's strength and protection over our lives? If you listen to any type of Christian music, it's usually talking about that, right? He is our shield. He is our rock, our provider. Without him, we wouldn't survive. He provides us with everything that we have. With everything that we have. We should be thankful for all that the Lord does for us. You know, there's a distinct connection with thankfulness in our faith walk. I'm missing one of my pages here, but that's okay. I can get through it, though. The book of Psalms is something great to meditate on, to memorize, to help you with your daily walk, to help deal with the things that we struggle with on a daily basis. The, the ones we went over, that was just, what, three of them? Three or Four? That's a small sample of what Scripture has to teach us about living a life of thanksgiving to the Lord. And thanksgiving is an activity in which we give to God instead of asking to give to us. So many times our our prayer life is, God, give to me, give to me, give to me. But thanksgiving is is an activity where we give to him because the thankful heart has access to God's grace. The gospel message is the good news of God's grace. So it's important to know what grace is and to constantly seek to get a better view of what grace does in our lives. Grace is an essential part of God's character. Grace is closely related to his benevolence, his love, and his mercy. So what is grace? Grace can be defined as um, God's favor, favor toward the unworthy or, or God's benevolence toward the, on the undeserving. Or more simply, it's... Uh, Not getting what we deserve or, no, that's mercy. No, getting something we don't deserve is grace. That's simpler, getting something we don't deserve. In his grace, God is willing to forgive us and bless us abundantly. In spite of the fact that we don't deserve to be treated so well or dealt with so generously, remember, we are miserable little crumbs. I'm not insulting you. I'm saying this is what we are. We are sinful humans. But God loves us. Romans 5, 8 through 10, But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. We were born into sin, and we were guilty of breaking God's holy laws. We were enemies of God, deserving of death, and we were unable to save ourselves. We all just admitted that earlier in this service. Spiritually, we were destitute, blind, unclean, and dead. Our souls were in peril of everlasting punishment. But then came grace. God extended his favor to us by sending Jesus to pay the penalty for our sins. And like I said, there's also a direct connection between grace and thankfulness, between receiving grace and giving thanks. When we're unthankful, we're out of the grace of God. We can't enjoy God's grace without being thankful. Nor can we separate thankfulness from the grace of God. As children of God... God wants us to be thankful and show our appreciation to him. He doesn't want us to be unthankful because, you know, he humbles the proud and he lifts up the humble. When we acknowledge God and his goodness to us, we appreciate him more. Thus, it leads us to worship and love him. So as we leave here today, as we prepare to take off from Sunday morning service, let's ask God to help us protect our hearts from unthankfulness. Because it will only, uh, only lead us to a wrong perception of who we are. But if we're always thankful, God will continue to bless our lives because we give back all the praise and worship to Him. If we truly want to experience God's goodness in our lives, we always need to be thankful. Again, there are so many miracles that happen today alone that we take advantage of or we ignore. How many of you woke up this morning? How many of you aren't awake now? Just checking. What a miracle! You woke up this morning. You're alive. How many of you are sitting in church right now amongst a community of other believers that are your godly family? All of your hands should be up at this point. Whether you want to admit it or not, your hands should be up. Another miracle. Thank you, Joey. Another miracle in our lives. There's so much that we have to be thankful for. You can be thankful for where you were born. It's like, oh, you don't know the town I came from. That's not what I mean. You were born in a country where you didn't have to suffer the way some have. You live in a land where you don't have to deal with the things that others have to deal with. So many blessings. Blessings. So many things to be thankful for. We need to be practicing Thanksgiving all year long instead of just one day out of 365 days, spending 364 days being on Thanksgiving Day, right? We need to change that in our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we ask that you be with us as we leave here today to work in our hearts, the Holy Spirit, Lord, to be more thankful and recognize all that you do for us. Lord, as we go about our weekly routine, Lord, as we go to our jobs, or we go to our homes, our families, we ask that you remind us of everything you do in our lives, all the blessings that you give us. Help us to develop a spirit of thankfulness. Help us to recognize who you truly are in our lives, Lord. Lord God, I ask that you bless every single person here, everyone who's watching online. As we close this service, as Pastor Aaron brings us one more worship song, that that you bless our week for us. Change our hearts to be one that lines up of being a child of you. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.